everybody. Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you for joining us on this Monday show. We are in October 2022, which means Star Wars Celebration is only six months away. Star Wars Celebration London 2023. That year alone, if you just like step back for a second and think of the year 2023, it sounds futuristic, (laughs) but we're in it. Here we are right around the corner. Uh, so thank you for joining us, uh, with me as always, Lacey and James. Lacey, is that the, uh, are you wearing the Clone Wars shirt? I I am. I'm wearing a Clone Wars shirt. Little Star Wars Celebration shirt itself, right? Uh, no. One of our patrons gave this to me. Well, there you go. Ryan, Uh, shout out to you. A celebration in itself. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm rocking the Mando fan show. There it is. That'll be coming back in February. Star Wars Newsnet. Star Wars Newsnet. I'm the only one without a Star Wars Newsnet shirt. In the world? Look. In our group. (laughs) I have a few. Um, All right. Here's the deal, guys. We are going to talk about the latest news in Star Wars, uh, but we're also pulling in a typical Thursday show segment. So we have resistance transmissions later on the show. We have a pod race to get into. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, but before we do, uh, just want to say, um, not really say, but ask you guys, uh, Halloween. I know Lacey's a big Halloween person. We are in October, so I'm sure you're already starting decorating. I'm a big decorating pumpkin and... person. But you're a Halloween decorator too, aren't you? Big? Bigly? I So here's the thing. We decorate for Halloween a lot, but it's usually like literally mm. the day of or the day before. It's not like a very oh. extended mm. decoration. We have a really good neighborhood mm. that we live in that everybody decorates. Um, people already have stuff up in our neighborhood, actually. But I'm a big Christmas person. Christmas person. Okay. James, do you guys uh, doll your house up in, in the lavishes of decor the of spooky Halloween? spooky Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, I think Bennett has always really liked spooky stuff. Well, first of all, that's my wife. She really is always. I love how Bennett's five. You're like, he's always liked that stuff. Well, he, I mean, but you wouldn't expect him to since like he was two. So like two and three years and four years. And now he's five years old. Like, so, um, but he has always really enjoyed, uh, the spooky stuff. And so it fits in with me. My favorite holiday is Halloween. My wife's favorite's Halloween, although it might be Christmas, kind of like Lacey. So it's kind of that that uh, era. Um, but Bennett loves it too. So yeah, we we do lots of decorations for Halloween. And I remember he used to listen to the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack every night before he went to bed. So that gives kind of an idea of like what he was into. Okay. He watches the movie now, and he's just like, like I would think like somebody like opening up their head and picking their brain would be like scary, but he he just doesn't even blink at it. He just thinks it's cool. That's wild. That's wild stuff. There's a there's a scene in you made me think of the scene in uh, Hannibal. Mm-hmm. You know the oh, se- yeah. the sequel to Sounds of the Lambs, where he cooks Ray Liotta's brain in front of rest him in and peace. feeds it to him. Yeah, rest in peace, Ray Liotta. But not from that. That was just in a movie. Yeah, but he did die in. Real That's life, a really you know? disgusting thing to bring up. Why would you bring that up? Because it's Halloween yeah. season. Halloween season. That's yeah. not Halloween though. That's just terrible. Yeah, but that's that goes into it's all the like horror movies, horror and... movies, scary movies. Yeah. James was like, stuff. "I'm surprised Bennett likes this, you know, kind of creepy Disney movie." And John's like, "Hey, remember whoa, when this whoa, dude whoa. killed this it's guy?" The same thing. Hold on, Lacey. I no, did say, ho- hang on I now. did say that he enjoys watching the character remove the top of his head and pick at his brain, which is exactly the same thing. <laughs> it is not exactly the same thing as someone feeding. <laughs> A claymation character <laughs> to a real human being. What are you talking about? A claymation character? Mm. I don't even know what you're talking about. Anyway. She's talking about um, um, Finkelstein or whatever is the claymation character and moving that. Anyway, doesn't matter. Gross. Halloween's doesn't matter. here. What a trilogy of holidays, though. You have October, Halloween, November, Thanksgiving, and December. Whatever, whatever you celebrate, but Christmas, the three of us, anyway. That's a good, that's a, speaking of trilogies, you know, oh, they're that's like, a good uh, trilogy right there. They're like the the seven in the boys, like <laughs> like those which I started watching the, by the, the way. Three. I have not yeah. watched it. Please don't, please don't tell me anything. I'm I started watching Ted Lasso though. 
very different from the boys. <laughs> it is. It is but, but a wonderful joy that I can't boys, wait to discuss you know with I mean? you, James, later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's the deal. We have news to talk about. Before I do, uh, just a reminder, TRB Live Wednesdays at 9 p.m. through into Thanksgiving, speaking of Thanksgiving, uh, as we talk about each episode of Andor that comes out. So next week, uh, this week, I should say, uh, we are going live 9 p.m. Uh, I believe we should have a guest with us. Um, we will probably be announcing that today uh, as well. But yeah. Episode 5, Andor, join us this Wednesday, live, 9 p.m. on the YouTube channel. But of course, if you can't make it for whatever reason, we understand it will be on your podcast apps the following I do want to say thank Uh, you to all the people that came last week, because we were able to raise money for a good cause. We raised $610-ish. It was a big deal. It was. That was really cool. Yeah, everyone came out. It was a last-minute thing, and everyone still delivered, which is incredible. Literally three minutes before we went live we're like we're doing this we did it Mm -hmm. so yes thank you to everybody for that uh james let's talk some star wars news dude it's the resistance all right the resistance report this week uh starts off kicks it off a little bit of a sad note but it's sort of one of those things where we're like we kind of expected it kind of saw it coming um, you may have seen in the news last week that James Earl Jones is retiring as the voice of Darth Vader. Um, and I think this is kind of something that we speculated about when it came to Obi-Wan because he had a more Darth Vader-y voice than he did in Rogue One and other things that he had done in his later years. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, James Earl Jones heard and approved the use of the AI technology that was able to uh, take bits and pieces of his voice over the years and construct new sentences. And they used that for the entirety of Kenobi. And he was like, yep, that's fine with me. Totally cool. I don't need to do the lines anymore. You know, I'm sure he's getting some sort of kickback just on the use of his voice uh, as some sort of royalty. But uh, at this point in the game, he is retiring his voice uh, of Darth Vader, and that's it. So let's talk about it. Uh, John, initially, like, what are your thoughts on this? Is this a good thing, a bad thing? <clears throat> what, what's your take? Um, I, I mean, in my opinion, it's a great thing. Um, he gets to walk away on his own terms. Um, he clearly gave his blessing, which is important. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, one of those things, you know, Alec Guinness passes away and they're like, you know, do we use his voice here? Do we not? We got to get the granddaughter's approval sort of thing. It's no, you're getting it from the guy saying, yes, please go on. I, I really like what you did here. And I I think people would be lying if they said that they were able to tell that it wasn't James Earl Jones doing the voice because it was incredible what they did with that. And that's a company out of the Ukraine and uh, the company's called Respeecher mm-hmm. and they use very highly developed algorithms. They have a whole team that work on it. Matthew Wood was heavily involved with them uh, in terms of getting it done. Um, and, you know, they were doing it while Ukraine's being invaded and they were like, we're going to push on and keep doing this work. Like it's real like hero stuff that these guys were doing in order to serve this space fantasy show. And it's just incredible the work that they did. So, you know, there have been debates about this stuff. And I even had some debates online about it because I tweeted about, you know, James Earl Jones being able to be Vader forever now. Because now he is. You don't need anybody else to voice Vader. Uh, You know, I do that stupid impression with the helmet. But they do have other people that have come in to try to do the voice and stuff. And you could point it out every single time, even if it's someone who sounds like him. It's just one of those voices that is irreplaceable. I don't even think you can do a good impression of James Earl Jones. I haven't heard many people try. We saw Josh Robert Thompson do Morgan Freeman right on our show, but you never see people doing James Earl Jones. And it's just so recognizable, whether it's Mufasa, whether it's Darth Vader, uh, anything he's done, his speech in Field of Dreams. And uh, the fact that they were able to do that, like it to me, it's it was like perfect. And now that he can be Darth Vader forever, 
it's just a it's a role it's a voice even with the emulation they put his voice through from back in the day to now it's so iconic that when people make the argument well well you know they recasted and they did you know more different jokers and they've they've recasted this and recasted that it's just i can't buy those arguments because this is one canon first of all it's one iteration if star wars one day ever got rebooted and they retold the movies again which will never ever happen uh getting a new darth vader would make sense but for this it's one supposed to be one fluid thing it's supposed to be quote unquote real you get you keep the same voice you keep the continuity we realize how important continuity is to lucasfilm when they bring back a digital luke skywalker we're just talking about a voice here so i i think it's a great choice it it keeps the suspension of disbelief i do not want to see live action darth vader with somebody else trying to do the voice it, it, and the fact that he gave the blessing, like every box is checked for me. And add to the fact that there's a whole team over there, Respeacher, working. People are still being put to work. You're not putting people out of work. Someone, you know, I respect voice actors. We've had them on the show. I'm friends with voice actors. I think even a lot of them would say, like, we can we can leave that job closed. There's other jobs that we can do. Darth Vader can be James Earl Jones forever, and I'm okay with that. And that's where I'm at. So. Uh, I, I think this is great. I'm, you know, I'm glad he's able to step away on his own terms again, and uh, you know, he'll be missed, but his legacy will is is quite literally immortal, and I think that's awesome. James, what do you think? I, uh, you know, I I think like one of my thoughts, uh, just off the beginning that we kind of didn't talk about is the fact that he probably is getting royalty for it as well. You know what I mean? Like he's sort of in a way like doing the voice for the GPS, you know what I'm saying? Where like you could get C3PO to be your navigation system or something like that. And and he of course gets paid uh depending on like how many people are downloading that uh app or that voice and he sort of gets that kickback in royalty. I I sort of would imagine that the way this looks is is him saying, Wow, you guys did a really great job. That's awesome. And then, like, I don't have to do it anymore, but I still will get paid such as, you know, like, this is representation of my voice. Um, so I think, I think James Earl Jones is still going to be compensated for his contribution kind of thing. I could be wrong on that. That never even crossed my mind. I, I was looking at it from the, like, what? legacy standpoint of yeah it, not his no i think every great i think everything you grandchild yep going to a good college yeah i i think uh everything you said is great and i i, I you were just you were mentioning the like people are still in the job kind of thing and i was kind of looking at it from that angle like the other thing too is like the ai didn't take this away from james earl jones like i think no he's exactly he's still able to to say like hey this is great this is cool i'm retirement i know i'm getting older kind of thing like I, I don't know how much there really was as far as like him being vocal about this. I think it was a little bit more of like a under the table announcement of like, hey, we just wanted to let everybody know we did in fact use this other thing. He's decided to retire the voice, and that's the story. Um, but because uh, because this it, did this not come from um, uh, Vanity Fair? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, the Brez. Yeah. I think it's crazy, Lacey. Is there anything else like uh, to take away from this? Is there a downside to it? Yeah, I don't necessarily know if I see it as a downside because I'm on the side with John that this is a great thing. They got his permission to do the voice, which I feel like it would be worse if they didn't get his permission and they just were like, "No, we own this character. We're doing it." So I'm pretty pumped that he was like, "No, I'm the character. I want to remain the character. Please use my voice." Um, and I, I think you're right, James. I think he probably is getting kickbacks royalties, which is totally, you know, he should because he created the whole persona of Darth Vader, really. Um, the Ukraine story is crazy that when everything else is going on in that country, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to go to work and uh, <laughs> make Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy how no matter it, it's another example of like no matter what's going on in the world around us, like time doesn't stop. And I think yeah. that this story in particular, there's so many different pieces of it that show that, like, you know, James Earl Jones isn't getting any younger. 
Ukraine has all that stuff going on, it, it's not going to stop the progress that's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is really cool. I hope this is true with other characters in Star Wars. Like we had talked about C-3PO recording stuff, Anthony Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do hope they they capture these voices so that they can do stuff in the future. Now, I know people have had critiques with the Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian where they like kind of used Mark Hamill's voice to create the character's voice. But hmm. I personally didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was, was perfect was there, for what... Was there pushback on that? I don't oh, remember yeah. there being... Oh, yeah. Tons. There was? Tons. It's controversial because people feel like it's taking... It's like, like a puppet, they said. It's not art. It's not art anymore. It's machine. You know, there's there's definitely that narrative and that argument, and which I understand it. I I do understand it, but you know, Lucasfilm has proven time and time again they're they're going to submit to the suspension of disbelief and the continuity of this story, uh, because canon's important in Star Wars. And if all of a sudden you have a completely different looking person playing Luke after Mark Hamill did, you're gonna be like, that's not. Mark yeah, Luke, yeah. You know? I, I I do sort of remember now there was a little bit of our our discussion was like if George Lucas was making the Mandalorian, you best bet he'd be using technology to push oh, the yeah. future of how they were bringing the the what you're seeing on screen to life. Like right. and it should not be possible, but it's possible. Jar Jar Binks should not exist as a character, but he exists as a character because of the technology that he was pushing and he was saying we were ready for that now, you know? And listen, there's there's layers to this stuff. And, you know, there, people try to make analogies and comparisons as to why it's a bad thing. One, it's just a voice, you know? They, they did it for a whole human with Luke Skywalker, the greatest hero in Star Wars. This is just a voice. And two, like, this isn't a situation where you're like, now let's see this person's take on the character. Let's bring in Daniel Craig to be James Bond. It's like, no, this is the same story the same canon this isn't a reset a reboot or anything and it's an already established character this is now the tribute tour of darth vader granted there was a lot of depth to what they did with darth vader and obi-wan kenobi and it was great but if we're being honest like the heyday of darth vader was original trilogy and we know his nuances we know how that character is we saw his beginning we saw his end this isn't something where let me try Darth Vader like this. No, you don't just change the. You just mm. don't change Darth Vader. He is what he is, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I. So there, I. I don't see like the problem with that like at the top of the show. I talked about. I brought up the movie Hannibal. It's like they recasted Jodie Foster and put in Julianne Moore. That almost ruined that movie for me. I'm like, I wish they got Jodie Foster because now I. I don't see Clarice Starling. With this, it's it's a voice. You still see Darth Vader. And they'll be able to carry it on. And this guy gave the thumbs up. This legend. A no-brainer to me. I, I, I appreciate everyone's opinions on this. And they're right to have them. I'm not saying people are wrong to have those opinions. But to me, this is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely... I do think it's interesting when you are talking about... Because we, we have had other people portray Darth Vader over the years for video yeah. games and other things like that. So it's like and I never like how it sounds. I mean, ever. yeah, it, and you could say, "Oh, that person does a really good job at that character," or not, uh, that kind of thing. But it it's kind of interesting now that we're just toying with a different version of that. Like we have now have a team of people who have been hired to try to replicate it uh, to what I think most people would agree is more accurate than some of the other, not all maybe, but some mm-hmm. of the other people who have portrayed. Darth Vader. So it's and, like, okay, so this isn't even the worst option. You know, it's not necessarily, it right. might be the best. It could very possibly be like, I think it's the best. indistinguishable, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like, that would be interesting to see if there was like outtakes that they had of James Earl Jones for other movies or something. And they just had like the re speech are doing the same lines and you had to pick between the two. And you're like, I don't know, man. Dude, <laughs> that would be so clips. tough. Pull Vader clips from Obi-Wan Kenobi and original trilogy. Go to someone who likes Star Wars. Oh, sure. Who doesn't That's a good point. know yeah. all the quotes and be like, I'm playing you this quote. Do you think this was James Earl Jones or do you think this was the algorithm? I still wouldn't believe them, though, because they wouldn't be able to figure it I out. I know, but I'm I'm still think. Well, there could be some truth to it, like the the actual audio quality, like um, 
I'm just saying the voice. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. just in, in a vacuum, right. in a bubble. <laughs> And, and and this is art too because they brought up the fact that the director Deborah Chow and Matthew Wood, you know Skywalker sound, you know everyone knows Matthew Wood at this point. If you're you know really delved into Star Wars as a fan, like working with that team in terms of like getting certain words right and what do you have said it this way and stuff. That's art to me. Mm-hmm. They're shaping the voice. It's like making something out of clay. Um. So yes, it's technology, but as you brought up, James, uh, you know Lucas would be stomping his foot at the chance chomping at the bit to do this sort of thing if he was still involved with star wars he was always pushing the envelope of technology so i think that's a great point um and i'm glad that we didn't have an argument about this we all sort of (laughs) yeah i mean i think we're all on the same page that this is this is a really cool and interesting step forward um and doesn't mean do it for everything yeah but in this instance it's and I, I think one thing to that too is like it was also cool that like I know you said like he did it on his own terms, but it's kinda of one of those things where like he didn't uh pass away and then they're they're, they're trying to like figure it out. Yeah, um, they're scrambling to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. like people are gonna be critical of it similar to uh Rise of Skywalker or something. So um yeah, I think this is good all around and uh I think locking him him and his voice and his legacy in for for years and years and years to come is the way to way to handle it. Um let's move on to the next story here uh which has a lot to do with Andor. Now I know we're always talking about Andor uh on our TRB live shows, but uh there was kind of this other piece of information that we wanted to talk about here on the regular show because it was a little bit of news. Um if you know Nicholas Bertel is the um composer for Andor, and he was discussing how he collaborated very heavily with Tony Gilroy, um, which is sort of unprecedented in that world, uh, that Tony would be as involved as he was uh, sometimes for weeks uh, working on just the score and specific elements of the score to really focus in, dial in exactly what he wanted out of the music for this show and uh uh they were talking about how much content they've actually created it's the biggest thing nicholas Patel has ever done uh creating over seven hours of unique music um which not a lot has been released at this point it looks like they're doing sort of a here's the intro to the show uh for every episode which is different in its own unique way which is kind of interesting to listen and try to break down how that uh works but uh soon at some point i'm sure they will release the regular scores for the regular episodes and we will just be treated to a lot of music which i'm my understanding right now is that people are liking what he has produced so far for the show um even though it's not quite as hummable like i can't sing the song but (laughs) I right. can tell you right. that when it hits, it's impactful. Um, Lacey, did you have any particular thoughts on the music of Andor and specifically this story of how it has uh, how it came to be? Yeah, I really love the music of Andor. I said that the first episode that we watched and like that first re- review of the first three episodes is the thing that stood out to me the most is the music and the sets. Um, obviously the characters and all that stuff is great too. It's just, those are the things with this product, this project in particular that have stood out to me compared to other things that we've seen like Book of Boba Fett and, uh, The Mandalorian, which interestingly enough, hearing how involved Tony Gilroy is in all these different parts of the show, it's very kind of Jon Favreau of him that he's like, he's finding all these players and people that he wants to work on his project. And then he's very into it of like this is what it sounds like this is what it looks like this is who's playing this character this is who the you know this person is and their background and what their motivation is at this point and he just seems like very intertwined he's not just doing it to do it he's like he's in it like he had said in a previous interview um i have loved the music i i think it's really stood out to me as something that's different which is funny because we came from Ludwig and then we went here and it's like two completely different <laughs> sounds well, and Natalie everything. Holt as well. Oh, Natalie Holt. Yes, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, but like two different completely, all three are yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Natalie, just like a John Williams, really scores from basically what we spoke to her about was for characters. 
she's doing the character themes like what does this character sound like mm -hmm. uh what is their energy what is their motivation whereas i feel like nicholas a lot in this interview is talking more about the space mm -hmm. like what does this planet sound like what does this club sound like what does this street sound like um which was very interesting because i feel like the music in Andor has kind of transported you to the place more than the moment. John Williams is very much into moments. Like when you hear certain melodies of his or big moments in his music, you think of that scene or you think of that character. Whereas I feel like with Andor, it's just like the way he described how he put leaves in Andor's, you know, Cassian's childhood planet or like he thought about mm -hmm. what a certain club had a, like a Beskar armor sound to it. Um, it's just very yeah. kind of environment driven, which I really love because it kind of has the Disneyland feel to me where you're like, when you're in that land, you hear the music and you feel like you're there, but you're not actually, like you said, James, like humming the Mando theme, <laughs> you know? Uh, but it's been cool. I can't wait to see where he goes with the rest of the series, seeing as it's seven hours. It's probably going to be on my list of like when I need to focus, this is what's going to go on. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead and speak on this because a lot of what you've said uh, were things that I was kind of thinking differently about. And then cool. I was like, you know what? I think you're more right than what I was going to say. <laughs> so I kind of want to hear John's <laughs> thoughts no on this. There's no more right. It's just different. Well, I think like... Well, I haven't gone yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I just think I'm some kidding. of the things you're saying, I'm like, I might have said the first thing, but you're right. It is more like the second thing. Yeah, kind of thing. So, John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, music, more than anything, in my opinion, is uh, something that could be more appropriately loosely interpreted or like you take what you want from it um, sort of thing. Like if you get something out of this uh, in a you know, an emotional way, whereas I may look at it like uh, completely different, you know, who knows. But in terms of how they approached it, I do have, you know, a couple of things. One, you know, this guy has a resume, you know, he's not a household name, you know, he doesn't roll off the tongue, but Nicholas Bertel nominated for three Oscars for Don't Look Up. Uh, that was the Leo movie about mm -hmm. the asteroid that came out last Super year. Super depressing. Apparently now, <laughs> apparently now we can ram stuff into asteroids. Mm -hmm. Which just happened in real life. So that's cool. Well, that's just a setup Verbal. for uh, what's the what's the other one that everybody likes with Bruce Willis? Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I've yeah, never yeah. seen Harry. It. Harry. Harry Stamper walked so that we could run. <laughs> written by J.J. Abrams. Um, but yeah, don't look up. I mean, we're almost in Star Wars at this point. We're not. We're deflecting asteroids in real life. <laughs> uh, or potatoes. And then shout out to Clayton. also if Beal Beal Street could yep, talk. Yeah. In 2018. And then uh, Moonlight also. Mm -hmm. And he won an Emmy for the theme for Succession. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you haven't watched that. That theme is awesome. That is a great <laughs> show theme. O almost to the point where that show can almost coast on that theme alone. And I'm not even kidding, but it's that great of a show too. So he's he has the resume. He's been in the Disney family. He did the Cruella soundtrack. And now he's going to be doing the Lion King Mufasa prequel soundtrack so he's got big shoes to fill following Hans Zimmer and Elton John and all that stuff but and and the Reese he's Beecher the, app he's yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go I still can't all believe the stories by the way yeah. together. that we learned from John Powell that Hans Zimmer was supposed to do solo or like was gonna do the solo soundtrack was he so Hans Zimmer reached out to Ron Howard Ron Howard's like no we're not for this no Ron, Ron like Howard wanted Hans and then they got he was convinced. Oh, Lord Miller had John Powell, mm -hmm. and Hans Zimmer said, "Oh, you're in good hands with John Powell." Yes, that's what happened. Because yeah, Ron right. Howard was like, "I always work with Hans," and Hans was like, "Right, no, no, no. yeah, that's crazy yeah. to me." Go back and listen to that it episode. Is. It's a good episode. Imagine, yeah, imagine like doing anything, and like one of the best people at it says to that that director, "Oh, you're in good hands with it, with them." I'm like, mm. Wow, amazing. Um, but also, you know, with this guy. It makes me think of our interview with Natalie Holt because it seems like in my brain, it's like Nicholas Bertel and Tony Gilroy are just in a room together figuring it mm -hmm. out, just them two. And I wonder if, you know, because Tony Gilroy is a very like, not in a bad way, but he seems to be a very controlling filmmaker. Like he wants to make sure 
what is happening is you know under his thumb and he's knows what's going on at all times and you know he may not be directing it he may be in new york during some of these shoots but he knows he put the right people in place that sort of thing whereas we heard from natalie holt she had these ideas for the leia theme she wanted to be bouncy and almost childlike and kathleen kennedy like cut it down and was like no we want to do the power more sassy theme with leia is what she said more sassy with more yeah more power and and, and strength and I wonder if that did or did not happen with this score. It sounds like it didn't. It sounds like this was more like Tony Gilroy's like, look, I'm going to come back. I saved your guys' butts with Rogue One. I'm coming back, but it has to be on my terms. And I want to be able to control this, control this. I'm sure that was part of like the whole contractual agreement stuff. You can't come in and tell me I can't do this or can't do that. I wonder if that's the case. And I, that stuff always interests me. I'll, you know, to speak on the music, I do like the music on our show, on our live show this past Wednesday. I brought up how my favorite moment was when Mothma's leaving um, Luthen's antiquity shop and getting into her like sort of space Rolls Royce. And that really, that music really stood out to me. It actually did remind me a little bit of Succession, sort of. Um, it, it was serious. It felt urgent. It felt dramatic. It had some emotion and power to it, but it wasn't overbearing. Um, but it stuck out to me. And it was the first time in the four episodes it had. Um, so I'm curious where they take this, but they seem to be very meticulous about this. This isn't some sort of grand sweeping, oh, just put something that sounds like this over this scene. Mm-hmm. They're really getting into the fibers of what they're making here. And apparently for you know, even the opening of the Andor logo, they put a lot of thought into that. And season two is going to be different because it's going to be a different tone, a different time. So they're gonna, the opening is going to be slightly different. And I like that that much detail is going into it because um, you could just say, like we joke about sometimes in the podcast about forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he's like, dude, just do something foreboding and dark. Boom, I got to go to lunch. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. But in this, it looks like they're really like putting a lot into it. And James, you sort of brought up uh, on our TRB Live when we were talking about Andor or just Star Wars in general, you're like, you know, you can say what you want if you whether you like or don't like this stuff, but you can't say that they don't care or they're not putting a lot of passion into it from all angles. That's props departments, creature effects, visual effects, music, everything. They're they're trying to really deliver good products. Now whether you like it or not is one thing, and that's up to everyone's interpretation. But to say that they are not taking it seriously it's just you, mm-hmm. you just can't do that because it's just the proof's in the pudding here and i'm curious where these next what is it eight episodes goes with the music um because i remember in mando it definitely built up and they kind of crescendoed everything into one towards the end this is some like sort of like music salad about everything and uh i wonder if there's going to be certain things that we've heard bits of like like Hans Zimmer in Batman Begins, you know, he's on his journey of becoming Batman and they're slowly peppering you with the theme. And then when he finally becomes Batman, all the horns come out and they punch you in the face with the real grand version of it. We may be getting hints of stuff here. And then at some bigger moments later on, we're going to like say, that sounds familiar. I don't know why I've never heard it before. And then realize they put that into our brain back in this scene on episode four. And now it's like this like, you know, major scale version of it or something. Yeah, they'll, so, they'll start feeding in the baseline, the dun 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 dun. Yeah, and just like and power like later, horn sections like, oh, or something. Right. So I, I've been a fan of this guy. I I didn't know he did Succession until recently, so that made me even a bigger fan. Um, so I like what they're doing. Does it sound like Star Wars to me? Not really, but I'm starting to understand how to accept that. You know. I guess not everything in Star Wars has to have the John Williams sound. Um, I'm glad Solo did. You know, I'm glad Rogue One had that sort of classic orchestral feel to it. But with these shows, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, man, I wish Mando sounded like, you know, the soundtrack for E.T. or something. Like, no. I, I Now, when I think of the Mando theme and stuff, it takes me back to that show. And that's cool with me. And I'm sure once I get through this journey with these 12 episodes... I'll probably feel the same about this. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say this three-time Oscar-nominated amazing composer uh, shouldn't be doing what he's doing here. So I, I'm i down with what's going on. Yeah. Um, I I 
was reading this article and it took me back to like, you know, when I was in the studio doing stuff as well. And it felt like I was sort of the Tony Gilroy being like, this is what I, you know, I don't necessarily know how to make it happen. Um, but I would talk with my producer and be like, this is what we want to do. This is the sound we're going for. This is how we're going to take this part and turn it into this feel. That's what George Lucas always did, right? Um, so I make this happen. I don't know how just yeah, do that. And, and Nick's like in the studio and he like kind of has a picture of where he wants everything to go. But at the same time, he's getting that input and being like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Let's go with that. Cause it seemed like what I got out of this was that Nick and Tony got along and that they were enjoying it. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. like, man, he has to have it his way. You know, mm-hmm. he was always <laughs> in the studio. It didn't feel like that. It felt like it was like, I was kind of surprised, but like, yeah, he was there and he was like very real with it. Most of the showrunners will say, this is what I'm looking for. Yes or no. When I finally show them what I've been working on, they'll give me notes. But this guy was with with me the whole way. And I I think that speaks to uh, Tony as the showrunner for this entire thing. Like everything. uh, I think the actors are, are saying the same thing. I think the production people are saying the same thing. You know, it's like he's giving all it 100, the details. One hundred and ten percent. Totally, that's exactly it. Outside um, of um, visual effects and like costumes and stuff, did Mandalorian ever win any like Emmys or anything? Not for like acting, as far as I know. I feel like that's what you mean. Cast. I feel like Andor is going to be that show for them. It, I mean, it, it will definitely get nominations because Mando got nominations for... I know Giancarlo Esposito was nominated. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else was, but... I Stellan Skarsgård is killing yeah. it. Uh, and, and, and that one episode alone. Yeah. Yes. Genevieve O'Reilly. Holy, I, didn't, I expected her to be good, but I was like, damn. <laughs> she brought it. She was like, this is she's, my moment. Mon Mothman <laughs> is on my radar. Like, it is... She's good. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm excited, too, because she's doing... She's, she has sort of in, in a lot of ways like become that character and now she's like has really the license to to take that character in the direction that she wants to see it go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, more power to her because she's incredibly talented and it's almost amazing that, you know, Lucas cast her. <laughs> yeah, right. That we, It's just nuts. Like she's That's only in the show because George Lucas cast her. that's a great point um yeah and and what to say about the the show yeah like there's a little part of me that does wish like the andor theme just like or like ripped you know like the succession thing like you can hum that thing and people are like that's awesome and if that even if it did hit that way it doesn't right now maybe john you're right that it will it will find its voice and become a really good theme over time. I mean, that's what Mando did for me. But yeah. the other part of me too is like, I'm saying like, hey, I'm liking exactly what this show is doing right now. And yes, it's a spy move. It's a spy show, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the theme to be like, dun, 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 dun right? The theme, the music that it has right now. Is that from Dragnet? It is, yeah. <laughs> good, good ear. Um, the theme that it has right now really solidifies the tension and the the mood of the show. And I don't think that a different version of the soundtrack would make the show better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think like right now it's, it's firing all on all cylinders and I don't think the music is, is dragging it down in any way. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe what I have in my head um, is uh, not what it calls for. And Nicholas Bertel is really like on point with, hey, right now at this point in the show or this show altogether, this is what it needs. This is what I'm putting in the show, and I'll see you at awards season. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, speaking of Disney, <laughs> we have a new. I was going to say, are you going to bring up Mission Impossible again? Because I feel like every time we talk about Andor, James is like. So it's kind of like <laughs> Mission Impossible. I mean, I, that I love one it. was because love... it was spy movie. Yeah, you spy know? movie. <laughs> it's probably like one of the bigger spy movies. But um, the next report that we wanted to talk about was uh, this story about how Disney is sort of wanting to release a new Star Wars game every six months. Bob um, Iger somewhere went, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
this was according to uh inside insider gaming's tom henderson um you know i don't know what his track record is uh but this was kind of what he was setting forth is like a each year having ideally one uh, event level game or one smaller scale and one smaller scale so a big game and then also maybe like a mobile or or something um that's like a, a freemium style game or something along those lines mm-hmm. and uh or maybe just an upgrade uh to an existing game a new edition something along those lines uh I, just right off the top i saw this article and i was like that's that's a good joke that's a funny joke that that they just <laughs> that is that, <laughs> that's there's no way like uh i don't know i just looking at the track record that we've gotten with uh star wars games there have been minor games here and there but really honestly looking at it it's like we have jedi fallen order we have two battlefronts and but look how many of them have gotten delayed yeah i know like we've got um squadrons it's like okay you know there's like a couple of these but i mean we're over we're where are we at now 12 or over a decade so it's like I don't know. I just and it, when you look at the upcoming, there's a thing on here um, on StarWarsNewsNet.com where you can get all your Star Wars stories. But it says for a recap about the state of Star Wars gaming, we know of these projects which are currently in development: an upgraded Lego Star Wars saga. So that okay, that's fairly easy. Star Wars Eclipse already. <laughs> we're Star in... Wars Saga did get delayed though. The Skywalker Saga game got yeah. delayed twice, yeah. I think. But I'm saying that's yeah. the easy one mm-hmm. because they already have it released. They could they could do this galactic edition and, you know, get that out. That wouldn't be too terrible. But the very mm-hmm. the, the very next one on the list, the next most realistic one is the Star Wars Eclipse Quantum Dream thing. <laughs> and like that's not which is on solid footing yeah as far as I understand it. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's the Knights of the Old Republic remake, which got you know, taken away from them and is being repurposed by another studio. Star Wars Hunters, which was supposed to come out and got delayed, but also oh is my a, God, is I a forgot mobile about game. That. Um, yeah. So I don't understand why they're not considering some of the other mobile games. They like, promoted that a lot too before it they got delayed. Did. It felt like really, it felt like they were putting a lot into that game. And I don't know what the big difference is uh, between like some of the other uh, online, like Battle Arena, like I said. And there's also another one on Apple Arcade that's like, um, like an island game. I haven't really played well, too much fun- into it, but I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, I don't know. Um, and then Jedi Survivor, obviously, and then four other like untitled. They've been announced. We're making something games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, like the closest one on there being that that Star Wars Eclipse by Quantum Dream. They're saying 2027. Do you remember Untitled Star Wars movie 2023? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so I I I don't know. You guys, I'm going to I'm going to toss it to you guys, John. You can start this one off. I mean, I know I've already said my thing, but like I just I saw the article and I was like there's no way. I mean, I don't know how they're planning well, on doing this. <clears throat> the Star Wars gaming at this point has been a joke and like it feels like every 4 or 5 years like one solid release will come out. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, then this this didn't come from any sort of Disney investors nope. call or anything like that. This comes from this guy who, as far as you know, I understand it, I guess, has a good track record in gaming. I am like the last person you want to talk to about gaming, so I don't have many thoughts on this. It just sounds like a lot to me that like, is it like one big game and then one like mobile game? Like, because if it just just from a perspective of people who like games finding the time to play this many games because like even like battlefront i remember like people were playing that for like a couple of years people are still playing it yeah with the dlcs and the add-ons and everything like you know jedi survivor like people are still talking about jedi fallen order they're gonna have that sequel coming out knights of the old republic is probably gonna take a lot of people's time i'm sure that's gonna be a, a hearty big game it just sounds like a lot to me it's very overwhelming as someone who gets overwhelmed by video games i'm still trying to chip away at the lego star wars skywalker saga and i'm barely through the phantom menace so yeah, i 
I can't really speak to this. It just sounds like a lot. L- Lacey, I don't know. You're more dialed in with history of gamings and, and the volume of games from studios and stuff. So uh, I'm just going to toss it to you. I, I, it just seems like, a, it seems like a lot. If they do it, cool. But it seems like a lot. It's definitely a lot. Um, looking at the list of like what's to come, I can't help but be like, can we get movies instead? I feel like people underestimate how much work goes into a video game. So mm-hmm. to say that you're having something come out every six months, that is, that's a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of design. You know, there's so much that goes into it that it's just another level. You know, like, I'm not saying I'd go shoot a major motion picture in a weekend, but that's over in a couple of months. Video games are worked on for years and years and years. So... I mean, it's nuts, but like I made a joke at the top of this segment or this portion of the segment, Bob Iger somewhere going, don't do it, because he said the same thing about movies and look where that ended up. I think that Star Wars in general needs to refocus (laughs) and stop trying to shove it into the Disney box of we need to just shove out content all the time, whether it be video games or books or comics or TV, or movies, like, really hone it back in and, and make quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious if this comment is like, so the, the comment was each year having ideally one event-level game and one smaller-scale offering, but I don't know what they consider an event-level game. Maybe right. they consider an event-level game a large mobile release, you know, and right. and then like the smaller scale <clears throat> offering would be even less than that. And you're talking about like uh, uh, a match three game or something that sure. they're licensing to this other company and they could skin it like a Zen pinball, for instance. Yeah. Like right. who knows what they mean by smaller scale release when it comes to gaming. And they could be like, well, we could put a little focus into a skin of a game or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily what I think event level game everybody's picturing jedi fallen order or survivor you know or some, right, some big release right. i don't think it always necessarily has to be that um the uh i did find the game that i was thinking of it's called lego star wars castaways and it's like i don't i don't think i'm the only person that knows that game exists i feel like i've not know. heard anybody talk about it at all uh and it's Mm-mm. just another le- it's like explore a new they planet. did do that battle game not too battle long arena ago. yeah yeah and um uh, there's another one, uh, uh, Galaxy of uh, Heroes, right? And that's been pretty profitable for them because they continually add new characters to it, and mm-hmm. then people buy into those packs and other things like that. Um, but I, again, like I, I don't know if they're considering even the event level games being like larger mobile games that they want to roll out. Uh, in that case, I can sort of see maybe being believable. Um, I just, I but- hope. And this is coming from experience of being in marketing meetings and like strategy meetings and stuff in my day job. I hope it's not someone sitting in a meeting saying, hey, look, the video game industry last year made this much money. Mm -hmm. We need to get into that. We need to do more of that. And it's not, it's losing the Star Wars, like, hey, we need to tell a good story. What's the best way to tell that story? What's the best medium to tell that story on? Um, and I think that's what nowadays sets apart really good games from not so great games is it comes down to the characters and the storyline. And if they're just pushing it into a bucket of, hey, let's get a piece of the pie and not let's tell these stories the way they should be told, then you're not going to get the quality games that you want. But it's and still, that's why I get nervous. Yeah, and it, it makes me just wonder, because um, again, I, I understand how this stuff works where they're like, well, we, it's not like because we're making a game, we have less time to work on a movie. Right, uh, we two are different paying, departments. We are yeah. paying those people over yeah, there to develop exactly, our right, game for right. us. I get that. But <laughs> it does kind of make me wonder a little bit like, how can you guys not figure out how to make a two-hour piece of content when you can come up with 24 hours of Andor and countless hours of side missions and uh Yeah, total 46 hours, yeah. Downloadable stories and different routes and stuff that you can go through with this game that is just like the amount of like lore that has to be 
Easter egged into those games and stuff just to make things be- seem real in an open world environment. It just blows my mind. I'm like, you guys can't write a two hour movie. Like, <laughs> you you know why though, James? Because <laughs> these video games can come and go. And you just mentioned a game that I've literally never heard of, and I podcast about Star Wars twice a week. The movies are on a different planet in terms of the pressure and the importance and the legacy of Star Wars. Like, I think there's a lot, a lot of pressure on them to deliver on their movies going forward in terms of quality. Um, whereas if they misfire on a game, it's like, all right, you know, whatever. Whereas a canon Star Wars theatrical movie that they're hoping makes a billion dollars at the box office, and there's a lot not of not that they're involved. just hoping. Yeah. they need to like. Nowadays, it's like they've got to make back their investment. <clears throat> well, I, I think games are on a different wavelength of pressure in terms of what it means to a franchise than a big blockbuster theatrical I, film. I hear what you're saying. I guess my, my only thought is like, do we not look at Andor and think that's movie quality? Because the story... Yeah. Yeah. I think the story yeah. that they're telling is something that... They could have made an Andor movie. ...is up to that par. Yeah. And... They can somehow manage to make a really long, drug out story there, but they can't seem to figure out a way to like condense that story to two hours and have way less production. I don't know, or maybe not way less production. I don't know. I don't know what it what it would take, because once they built those sets, then they're like they could shoot <laughs> for an hour every day, and that's an hour long episode because they, like they already have the set. They could just run the cameras and do more scenes in those sets. But it would have taken the same amount of money to build for just the one scene in a movie that's only five minutes long. They would have had to build that mm. set too. So I don't know. I mean, look, I'm not here to talk about budgets. It just always surprises me when they're talking about doing a bunch of video games and they're making these long TV shows where Obi-Wan is six episodes long. And I'm like, that's longer than two hours. <laughs> Could you not just have done the movie? But whatever. Um. For me, uh, that's wrapping everything on Resistance Report this week. Uh, We do want to get to our other sections, uh, including Resistance Transmission. But first, I'm going to pass it off to Lacey to talk about one of my favorite sections of the show, honestly. Yeah, so guys, it is time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of ways you can support us. You can like this con- like this video, comment, subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on all the audio platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review if you can. It helps us be seen and lets us know how we're doing. You can follow us on Twitter at RBATSWNN or on Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast or also on Facebook. Uh, we're pulling together plans to do more stuff on those channels. So definitely follow us there. But if you want more than that, uh, like exclusive content, uh, Discord server, live streams, exclusive commentaries, and much more, you can head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Starting at just $5 a month, you get access to the page and you get to engage with us. That's the big thing as we've headed into this new kind of phase for our Patreon. We've just recently updated it. Uh, right off the bat, you get to take part in our polls and ask questions for the show mm-hmm. and just kind of drive how we're making the show, which is always super cool. But as you go up in the tiers, you get more access, more engagement with us. And this is the part of the show where our generals and spice runners get to take part. We ask them a question. They give us their answer. We discuss it. So first, I want to thank those people. So thank you to our generals. Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Reich. Rumori, Matt Heath, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sam Zilke, Sneaky Zebra, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you guys so much. And our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gunler, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, who we just had on our Spice Run chat last week. Definitely go check it out uh, if you're a patron. Uh, Jeremy Myers and Michael Fry. Thank you guys so much. This week, we have one of our recent generals, Sneaky Zebra. What up, Gary? Uh, on the pod race and we asked him what are your hopes for the Lando series do you think Billy D. Williams will be involved in any capacity so Sneaky Zebra take it away hey all so if the Lando series turns out to be a limited series which I think it is uh, I would definitely love to see Billy D. back as Lando again I think he he deserves a really cool send-off I think it would be great to have like an opening that's in like an old cantina 
and him telling a story and then we flash back and then maybe at the end of the season we see him you know walk off into the sunset or sunsets depending on where he is um and uh, obviously in that recap stuff the t- the flashback stuff you know we we got to be with Donald Glover like we got to have him back as Lando but I think it would also be really cool to have an even younger Lando intercut with that and we see his relationship with his mother who we know from Solo is a incredible woman that's very important to him who had a big impact on him uh you know he obviously feels enough to tell Han or Han uh <laughs> that I, I think that would be great to see just the multiple timelines kind of like what we're getting with Andor at the moment but yeah I think that's that's what I would like to see from the show I mean you can't tell it from here um but I am a huge Lando fan so I hope other people are as excited about the possibilities of this show as uh, as I am thanks guys nicely done great answer as John knows, which I'm going to tell you guys. Uh, Sneaky Zebra's favorite character is Lando. So John picked mm-hmm. a great question for him. So John, what did you think of his answer? Well, unfortunately for all of our other pod racers, Mr. Zebra has set the bar for his environment that he did his pod race <laughs> from. As uh, it looks like it's, it looks like I saw a joystick. So is that where you, where you game or something? It looks like a gaming area, but it's. It's definitely inspired by the Falcon. That's such a cool looking legit. setup you got there, man. So um, I really liked your answer. You know, people have been bopping around the idea of, you know, Billy Williams can be involved and like he's telling the story. And I kind of like that angle because it's always good to see Billy D. Williams back as Lando. I, I was so happy to see him in The Rise of Skywalker. I was wondering if it was going to happen once we saw the first two movies of the sequel trilogy. I'm like, what's going on? Where's yeah. Lando? And then we finally got him back and he was awesome. He made... A great speech to Poe. He had that big moment at the end with Chewie and the Falcon. I loved it. So more Billy D is good with me. So I'm with you there. Um, one thing I didn't think of, though, that you brought up is, you know, can they go back and give us a young, younger Lando than Donald Glover um, kid <coughs> with his mom? Because he does bring up his mom as the most wonderful woman he ever met. And uh, that could be um, like a, a, an angle into the upbringing of Lando to, to help us understand how he got to be sort of a, a swindler and how did he get to be that way so I think that's interesting um, I hope the series is still going on and there's a lot of doubts about it Donald Glover has been sort of coy about it um, hopefully maybe Han and Chewie can get in there a little Alden Ehrenreich I don't know but I liked your answer man you did a great job and uh, thanks for your support keep killing it and I'll uh, see you in the chats and, and uh, see you around buddy James yeah um yep solid answer i think it's uh it's not like a a massive stray from other things that we've heard before um as far as like a way to handle kind of both uh versions of lando so i i like that and i I think that that one is the one that seems to stick with fans because it makes uh i don't want to say the most sense but it makes it makes sense in this uh in the sense of maybe how lando would tell a story you know, and you would be able to bring in both and then it would feel like a very Lando story. Um, but uh, I think one thing that is uh, sort of interesting to, to this um, version of what we could see out of the show is what the creators are thinking about. Like, because I'm sure they have their idea of what the Lando show is going to be. And then they're seeing this is how fans are sort of looking at it. And they're going, mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going like, Oh yeah, that yeah, that would make sense, you know. But I don't, you know. Or if they're going like, that's not even close, like you know. <laughs> and it totally is like this young Lando thing that we have, or it's it's animated, so maybe we'll bring in some voices or something. But I mean, we just literally do not know what the show is. Um, but I think that if your version of the show comes to fruition, that's going to be uh, a version that we will all enjoy as fans. So good on you. Uh, thank you for doing the pod race and even more so as always thank you for being a general and a patron of ours yeah awesome answer i i completely agree with you i always pictured this show kind of being billy d doing the narration of or setting up the whole series of like i don't know he could even be like with ray or something and she could be like oh how did you know you get meet han or how did you this happen or anything like that and then he could be like, well, you know, it started, it's a long story, and then it fades into Donald Glover doing the, doing the voiceover, so then it transitions to the younger. 
Um, I love the even younger Lando that you threw out there with the whole mom relationship because he does make that yeah. big call out. Um, I kind of wish they called it the Calrissian Chronicles. I feel like they missed <laughs> like that perfect title for this series with just Lando. Yeah. I feel like they're going too hard with the with the name. Hey, this is clearly Lando. People that don't watch Star Wars all the time. Um, but we'll see. I, I can't wait to hear more about it. We're dying to know where the series is going because obviously it has to be tied to Solo I in some way. to know. Yeah. But thank you. Think, you- what? I'm sorry. Uh, just real quick. Do you, do you think there's ever like those meetings where they're coming up with the names for these things and they toss around all these ideas on this board and then at the end they're just like, let's just call it. Lando it is? Okay, great. Or they do, yeah, they just like, they <laughs> walk in lunch. immediately and they're like, hey, we could have an hour long meeting discussing this or is anybody going to vote against Lando? No? <laughs> yeah. No? <laughs> Nobody's got anything better than Lando? Okay, all right, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for being a part of our Patreon. It really means a lot to us that you're supporting us. And yeah, it was man, really thanks. cool to have you on the show. Awesome setup. Uh, now we're going to head to Lacey for our next segment. Thanks, Lacey. I quit the podcast. It's time for the Resistance Transmissions. <laughs> hey, That's all now- I had to do to get you to quit. Yeah, but I'm gonna, here's the I'm thing is up. I I gave John one with the force last week. Yeah. John oh, John, did you want to do it? No, no, because <laughs> no, no, you don't know the answers. Yeah. yeah. Oh. This is this resistance transmissions will live and die with Lacey Gillard. So if Lacey <laughs> ever big times us and leaves us, resistance transmissions will also die. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about quitting and leaving all in the same two minute span. <laughs> Um, all right. Anyway, this is resistance like, transmission. I, I really don't like this segment. I hope Lacey quits. <laughs> like... uh, all right. This is the part of the show where John puts up a crazy, wacky situation on Twitter. And you guys need to give your answers. So this week it was, what type of guy was Cyril Karn in high school? I could tell you what type of person I was in high school. Loser. <laughs> um, all right. Joey Sack at Joey Sack is up. What up, Joey? He said, remember that guy Randall from the show Reset? <laughs> That's who Cyril was in high school. Hashtag resistance transmissions. That's a great call out, Joey. Love that. I used to wake up Saturday mornings to watch that. Uh, Jamie G at Roxy Peanut. What up, Jamie? Said Tracy Fleck, Reese Witherspoon's characters. Oh, Flick. Reese Witherspoon's character from the movie Election. <laughs> Overachiever and self-righteous. <laughs> is going to learn the hard way. He's not better than everyone else. But his mom's been telling him he's better than everyone else. That's the problem. Yeah. Great, he's going to make cupcakes with his name on it. <laughs> Next is John Reese at John S. Reese. What up, John? He said, a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <laughs> oh, What's God. that from? I know elf. what that's from. That's right. Oh. Yep. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. And all the elves go, <gasps> I feel like I'm almost ready to watch Elf again. I, I, I was just like... about to say that. I cannot wait to watch Christmas movies. Let's skip Halloween. Uh, Dennis Quincy Forder at Quincy underscore Forder said Percy Weasley with the with brown hair, no magic. <laughs> In a nutshell. Good one. I just, I just had a really weird thought. If they ever did a sequel to Elf, if, they, if it was like. They were very... going to. Will Ferrell said no. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say yeah. it would be interesting to do a very elf Halloween and it's like him like experiencing Halloween. So John Favreau, after the success of Elf, wanted to make a second one and Will Ferrell said, I will never do a second one. And John I mean, Favreau you know what, was like, please. You know what would be a great plot for Elf 2, though? Hmm. Like he he gets older and he's like normalized and he like loses it. He loses his Christmas spirit uh, and he needs his so children. So he to... hooks, hooks himself. What? He hooks himself like hook with Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, I see. What yeah, you mean. that works. Okay, that, works. that is literally yeah. the plot of Hook. I know, but you, you have to understand the phrase. He hooks himself. Does <laughs> he not... hooks himself. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Hooks himself. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, and then the other part of Dennis's stuff was there were there were about twenty of these type. So when we he just went one. No, no, no. I, that, that's 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 me. That's oh. us talking. You didn't put in a different color or anything, so it looks like he said it. Dennis, you oh, didn't say apologies. 
My bad. <laughs> All right. So then, Joseph, I'll read whatever's on here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, like Ron Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, Joseph Harlow at Joe Low 63. What up, Joseph? He said he was the kid who said, Excuse me, teacher, I think you forgot to collect our assignment from last night. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, Rick Villanueva at Cad Bane. I said Cad. Cad Bane's Bounty. Uh, Rick said, My man tucked his undershirt into his tidy whiteies. <laughs> Sounds about right. And then John just wrote in the document, you stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> uh, at least I didn't it's do the other obvious. version. Yeah. Yeah. Daffy.axs at Daffy Duck or Dunk. <laughs> dunk. Uh, wrote Dwight Schrute. It's accurate. Assistant. To he me. sent a GIF, but, you know. Mm. Yeah. And then Joseph McCorkle at JM or J McCorkle. Right. That is a great last name. McCorkle said, of course, his name is Cyril. I don't get it. Of course, his name is Cyril. He just like saying like, oh, that guy's name is Cyril. Of course, his name got is it. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for being part of the show. If you want to be on the show, make sure to follow us on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N and look out for this situation. Back to you, Lacey. Just kidding. You want to... Back to you, Go John. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Close it out. No, I'm good. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. As, as Lacey said before, make sure you subscribe to the show on your preferred platform. But also, we're really close to our next milestone of 350 ratings on Spotify. Uh, obviously, also Apple. So if you have either of those apps, if you just look us up, Resistance Broadcast, just rate us. It takes a few seconds. It doesn't cost you anything. It really helps us a great deal. And if you like us, five stars is appreciated. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and spread the word of the show, you know, especially for our live shows that we're going to be doing. Still giving you two podcasts every week. Uh, a lot of the other bonus videos and stuff like that we're doing. So spread the word, let people know. TRB is the place to be. If you like Star Wars and like having a good time, there's still places to go to talk to people. And uh, we like to say we're one of them. Um also, go to Star Wars News Net for all of your Star Wars news uh, every morning. Check in. get Stay up to date on what's going on. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com. And tomorrow, my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies, is putting out our episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark. So just look up Just Like the Movies on your favorite podcast app and follow us for free. Uh, Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. JB, same two platforms, Twitter and Instagram, but I am at Myra Chunks. That is right. Uh, are you are you verified on Instagram or just Twitter? JB? Just Twitter. And you're keeping it for the continuity for like the. Yeah, I wish you could change it, but they make you you lose yeah. your uh, verification if you do that. Tons of guns. All right. Uh, yes. So as you know, we'll be back with you all on Wednesday, 9 p.m. East, live. Uh, talking about Andor episode 5 already. Just so crazy. So we hope your October's off to a great start. Your Halloween preparations. What are you going to be for Halloween? Let us know in the comments. But more importantly, hopefully you have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. <laughs>